This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new episode of Mercado and Manning, Media Week's weekly television podcast. I'm James Manning, joining me as he does every edition, every episode. Andrew Mercado, welcome back. Hi, James. Um, now, look, we um, I think we've got a few things to talk about today. We're going to talk about 1923. We're going to talk about Poker Face, the TV series. We're going to talk about Shrinking, which is a new series, and Two of those both feature uh, Harrison Ford. Um, and then we're going to look at some Netflix movies. I think they're all actually Netflix, The Glass Onion, You People, and Pamela, A Love Story. Yeah. It's, it's a big focus of Netflix, isn't it, to boost their uh, movie output. And these are probably all all worthy of a little mention. But, look, we might start just with revisiting Stonehouse which we talked about last week and I talked about how much I enjoyed it. I think you hadn't seen it then, but I think you've had a peek at it. Yeah, yeah, I've just uh, binged all three of them. And, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was a story I didn't know, but, wow, that Melbourne uh, location <laughs> was pretty shonky. You know, part <laughs> of the story takes place here in Australia. And I'll tell you what, that is the most unconvincing depiction of Melbourne I've ever seen. Everything was wrong. The cars, the phones, the streetscape, the swarthy-looking men speaking in really broad Australian accents like this. <laughs> it was just like if you don't know Australia, it's just going to slide right over you. But, uh, yeah, clearly that wasn't filmed anywhere near Australia. Yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't. But, um, yeah, I'm glad you liked it. I mean, it was a pretty... Um... It was a subtle thing. There was it didn't sort of sledgehammer home anything, but it was a, just a nice retelling of the story, I guess, of the the British MP that sort of faked his own disappearance and and death um, just because he wanted to get away from it all. I read uh, Matthew McFadden uh, says in this week's episode issue of TV Week that apparently he was a really personable guy and he was fun to be around. I, I, I really didn't get that from the miniseries. I mean, what I got was Matthew McFadden doing something now that is almost, he's almost becoming typecast now as that really smarmy sort of guy that, you know, based on his breakout or scene-stealing role, I should say, in Succession, where he plays the uh, on-screen husband of the character played by Sarah Snook. He's really kind of being this smarmy character now, and he, he certainly plays that so well in Stonehouse as well. Yeah, gee, John Stonehouse didn't seem to have many redeeming features, did he, from no, that? No, I um, didn't think so. That TV was just a liar. I mean, he just... He, you know, he just didn't tell the truth. He was a schemer, um, a swindler. Yeah, you know, he was and just. A, um, you're chasing skirt and getting blackmailed for it, and then becoming a spy. I mean, he was a he was an awful person. I thought. Yeah, very poor father, a very poor husband, and yeah, shocking. And he, you know, he didn't even treat his mistress well. <laughs> it's no. just, it just nobody he looked after, wasn't it? No, not really, except himself. He always looked after himself. Yeah. I, I like Kevin McNally in that, who was, uh, played the Harold Wilson character. I'm not sure if I mentioned that last week, but I thought he was, he was quite funny, a lot of his scenes. Yeah, I actually had to look it up to find out what, uh, you know, I assumed they were conservatives. Uh, I'm not up on my 
uh, British prime ministers. But then when Margaret Thatcher was on the other side, I was like, oh, my God, th- this is about a, a Labor government in England. And mm. uh, that's a lot. Yeah. And then I looked it up. Yeah, of course, he's a Labor prime minister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that was good. That was good. Yeah, so that's um, Stonehouse and that's available to stream on BritBox and it's a it's a quirky library BritBox have got. There's a, there's a lot of stuff I like in there. I'm a bit... I'm a bit taken by a lot of British drama, but um, there's certainly a lot of it um, living on BritBox. Look, let's get into 1923. Um, I, I talked last year about um, I was a bit of a latecomer to the whole Yellowstone phenomena. I think I started watching with season five. Yeah. Um, you know, didn't go back, bother going back to the start because I was just too daunted by there was too much. But um, there's a couple of things about 1923 that might attract a lot of people, Andrew, that that haven't been on board at all. Yeah, you know, I'm not a Yellowstone guy at all. And I watched maybe 15 or 20 minutes of that first episode of 1923 because how can you not watch something that Dame Helen Mirren and Harrison Ford are in? And I kind of watched it and they're out there on the range and the horses and being cowboys and I was like, yeah, I don't like Westerns and I I didn't (laughs) watch any more of it until you said we needed to talk about it here. Then I went back to watch it and then literally as soon as I turned it back on, the episode moved to this school with this these uh, uh, North American Indian girls in this class, you know, being converted to Christianity with, you know, brutal and barbaric nuns and priests. And suddenly it was like, oh, what's going on here? This is kind of interesting to me. And then it starts this other subplot about this guy who's leaving the war and ends up in Africa uh, with British uh, explorers uh, needing to shoot uh, a stray leopard. It was just, it just went off in such bizarre directions now. I think I'm kind of into it. Yeah, one, one thing I've been a little bit uh, frustrated by is the the delivery of the episodes, and this is on Paramount+. Plus. Um, I think there's a new episode dropped the day we're recording this, but I think there's only been four so far. Um, the fifth one dropping today, there's a sixth one scheduled for next week, which is uh, mid-February. Yeah. It's supposed to be 10 in the season, but, gee, at this pace, it's going to be Christmas before we get through to the 10 of them. <laughs> I mean, it must be done, right? Uh, well, I'm not sure. Know. I mean, part of the cynic in me thinks, is it this a ploy by the, uh, the way streaming services go now? They... You know, some do week by week, and I get that. Yep. Some do all at once. But there's a new model emerging where there's, oh, we'll do a few here and we'll do a few a bit later on. A cynic in me wonders, is that just to keep people, keep the subscriptions going? Well, maybe. Maybe. This is a big show. and um, But, I mean, I would have thought that they would have been dropping these episodes because it's such a, uh, a universe with Yellowstone and what's the other sequel they've got, 1883, is it? Um, I mean, you could yeah. almost be rolling one into another the way that RuPaul's Drag Race does it. One finishes and a new one from around the world begins. And, uh, I mean, that's the strategy they could be doing with this. They seem to have enough episodes of it all. 
Yeah, but the difference—the difference is that 1923 James looks like it's been made exclusively to stream on Paramount Plus, whereas Yellowstone has a network commitment in the US because it's literally their highest-rating drama on air at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad you mentioned those subplots because for me, I mean, sure, I'm interested in Helen Mirren and um, and Harrison Ford. Yeah, but I think that. After watching like through four episodes, the subplots are almost more critical to keeping me on board than the yeah. than the actual standard storyline because that's it's pretty basic, isn't it? There's you know it's it's a real sort of cowboys basic you know um, plot. It's pretty grim, but that the whole the subplot in Africa has been amazing. Um, it's been quite engaging, and as you say, the then the young girls being mistreated by the nuns in um, in a sort of Western convent is yeah. uh, is also amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if if it was just you know down on the range with you know <laughs> with you Helen know, and uh... <laughs> yeah throwing the lasso around the cattle, I, I don't care yeah. who'd star in it. I'm just westerns just aren't my thing. Yeah, yeah, no, it's. Um, I think they're very clever to have these stories, and I presume it will all come together. I mean, the the son who's been sort of um, a, sort of a, a, a warden or something, he's a game warden almost in the um, in Africa after he's fought in the the First World War. Yeah, um, he will come back at some stage, and and you know become a, a central character in um, in Montana. Yeah. down on the farm but that could be a little way off yet i think he's i think where i'm up to he's just got a letter from his parents um sort of asking you know how's he feel about coming home but i yeah, right. i don't want to give away too many plots spoilers yeah. there but uh yeah. i'm sort of guessing what might happen yep so yep 1923 yeah i think i think it's worthy i i only ever watched one episode of 1883 yeah. Never went back to it. It just seemed too much of a you know, violent Western for me. Well, yeah, well, I, I wouldn't even watch it because I know that in 1883 that is going to be a Western and uh, pretty much a Western. At least this one has seems to have some other things going on. Yeah, yeah. Now, we had a lot of, um, a lot of shows we reviewed in the previous episode were on Stan, the only one in today's episode, which is on Stan, is Poker Face. It's a Peacock original in the US. Yep. Um, pretty much a vehicle for uh, Natasha Leon, um, yep. who has just become such a star. And, well, what a what a powerful actress is she, and she really carries this whole series. It's very interesting to me reading up about it that this, uh, the the detective drama series that is inspiring them is Columbo uh, with Peter Falk. Um, and that was a great, great classic uh, detective series of the 70s. But the cast in this, James, I mean, <laughs> I was absolutely shocked. Yeah, you've got Natasha Lyon in there as the, the main person, but, you know, then you've got like, Adrian Brody as the 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 guy that runs the casino and then you know Benjamin Bratt and it was like wow wow this is uh it looks like it's got an amazing cast and from what I can gather it's got some really big names still to come yeah yeah there's um the episode I think it's episode four with Chloe Savigny right uh, it's just amazing she plays a a heavy metal rock star Ruby Ruin 
yeah. who's sort of trying to sort of manage her career through um, midlife. It's probably, <laughs> I think they're either in their 50s or 60s, most of the band members. So, yeah. But that's really amazing. That is a fantastic episode. Uh, Daniel McDonald is in one of the f- first two episodes, I think. Yeah, we I think saw- she's in episode three, Danielle McDonald. And, okay. Uh, you know, Australian actress there uh, who, you know, was just so great in Dumplin' and also on Stan in uh, The Tourist. We saw her, um, I think it was also on Stan, as um, Lillian Roxon. Correct. The, the Helen Reddy story. Yeah, I Am Woman. Yeah, so she's done some great work in uh, recent years. So, yeah, this is a, this cast is pretty amazing. Um, who else? Uh, Judith Light. Uh, is in an episode as well. I love Judith Light. She's one of my all-time favourites. Well, that's, that's anything, a real... I'll watch it. Yeah. yeah, well, look, that's a real... <laughs> she plays a crazy character, and I think it's episode five. So yep. watch out for that one. You're going to love that one. Oh, I um, can't wait. But, yeah, Poker Face, the, there was a link between the first two episodes, but it didn't come till the very end right. of the second, second episode. But I'm pretty sure... All the rest are sort of just um, self, what do you call it, self-sustaining standalone episodes. Which is what Columbo always was too. You'd just dip in. There's the murder mystery of the week. It's it's going yeah. back to that old school way of uh, where we didn't have continuing murder mysteries on American TV. They loved a bit of a uh, murder mystery of the week, didn't they? Yeah. Good yeah, old Angela did. Lansbury as murder she wrote. <laughs> they loved it. And the interesting thing about Poker Face is that um, as the main character, Charlie Kale, she doesn't play, she's not a detective, she's not a copper, not no. an ex-copper, not a private detective. She's just out there in the workforce trying to earn a living. Yeah, we're literally working at the casino. Like in the first episode, she's walking around serving drinks to people and, you know, chatting yeah. to them to keep them playing at the tables longer. Yeah, well, she moves on into other episodes. She plays characters doing other jobs. Ah. So, like, in one, she's a, a almost like a, a cleaner, if you like, or an assistant in a in a retirement home. Um, yeah. So she just does different things and gets involved in um, in in the crime. Yeah. And then sort of um, goes about yeah, and it's that sort of that very sort of disarming way Columbo used to do it. Yes. She, but she also speaks her mind, you know, which is um, she's very frank about everything she finds and it sort of jolts a lot of the other characters. Yeah. One more thing Columbo used to say. He'd be leaving and the guy would think he'd gotten away with it, the, the, the woman or the man, whoever the murderer was, and then he'd get to the door and he'd just turn around and he'd go, oh, just, just one more thing. And, you know, he'd have that last bit to catch the killer. You know, it's great to know that show is still inspiring people today because if you've never seen it, it is one of the all-time great American crime series. Yeah, and look, a couple of other characters too to watch out for. Um, Alan Barkin, one of my favourites. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Nick Nolte's coming up as well. Oh, my God. What Nick Nolte like has been made guys? a lot of fun of in recent years, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, people love putting up that sort of crazed, I don't know if it's a police police mugshot of Nick Nolte, but they um that shot gets used a lot on talk shows and um as, as a joke, you know. Some yeah, Rhea, yeah, Rhea yeah. Perlman's in there too. But just, yeah, this, it's just a um, it's a great piece of TV. So it's Poker Face. Um, I think, yeah, it's dropping week by week. There's only been about 
five um, so far. It's going to be 10 altogether, and you can get that on Stan. And we should also mention, too, that it comes from uh, Ryan Johnson, uh, the director who is behind one of the movies we're about to talk about soon. So we'll, we'll, we'll remember to mention that uh, when we get to that down the track. Okay, great. Look, um, after not making much TV at all in his career, uh, Harrison Ford's been pretty busy on the small screen because okay. he's also the star of Shrinking, which is on Apple TV+. Plus. Look, they call it a comedy drama. For me, there weren't many laughs, Andrew. Yeah, how many episodes did you watch? I've only watched the first one and was- I've watched two. Right, so you got Jason Siegel. He plays a psychiatrist uh, in a practice with Harrison Ford and, you know, something bad's gone down in his life. He's a bit off the rails, so he starts uh, telling his patients- Oh, you know, instead of just letting them talk, he says, you know, why don't you do something about this? I'm going to give you, you some advice. And then everything seems to go horribly wrong. But Jason Siegel seems to think, think that maybe this is a new way to do psychiatry. Harrison Ford, however, very old school, does not agree, right? Yeah, yeah. Look, um, I should stay with it because it's got reasonable reviews and it might be leading somewhere interesting, but... For the start, it just seems like a bad sitcom to me, but 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 there could be that sort of that undercurrent of um I don't know, there could be a crime happening or there could be some dramatic tension which will sort of bubble over, but it certainly hasn't happened. I've, and I've got to say, Jason um Siegel, look, I'm not a massive fan, to be honest. Yeah. Look, uh, it's the the good news about it is that it's created by Bill Lawrence. Uh, sorry, Brett Goldstein is one of the co-creators, and of course, uh, Brett Goldstein we all know now for playing Roy, uh, the guy with the potty mouth in Ted Lasso. So you think, <laughs> oh yeah, he's a funny guy. This could be good. But look, also it's got a bit of a kiss of death here. Ted McGinley's in it. Now, I don't know whether you remember this, but uh, right. Ted McGinley were, got a reputation for joining well-known American TV series in their later years that right. then, of course, got axed. So they would blame Ted, Ted McGinley. Um, some of the shows that he joined uh, that, you know, they, they say he killed off was uh, The Love Boat. <laughs> um, and Happy Days, he, he was brought into Happy Days at the end. Dynasty, he came in there at the end. Um, and then he ended up, uh, the last time I remember seeing him in something in a, in a big way was uh, uh, when he was on um, Married with Children. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah look, uh, Jason Siegel, I mean, I'm, I'm probably a bit biased because I just, I could never watch um, uh, what, How I Met Your Mother. That was, I guess, the... The his sort big, of big the sitcom, real, yeah, yeah, the real pillar in his career, I guess. Yeah, two hundred odd episodes. Um, yeah, but just it just didn't do it for me. I think I watched about two, two of those two hundred. Yeah, I can't say I'm a fan of that show either. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's a shrinking look. It's on Apple TV Plus. Sort of worth watching for Harrison Ford, but gee whiz, you, if you didn't know he was a big time Hollywood star, you come away thinking, what's with this old guy? You know, he's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but th but there you go. Look, let's move on to some of the movies that uh, Netflix is spitting out, and it seems to be having at least one sort of major uh, movie at least weekly. 
um, trying to get it out. Sometimes it seems even more. The one that's got the most attention over the whole summer period so far is really uh, the glass onion. Yeah. Um, now, well, it's called the glass onion knives out, or, or is it knives out the glass onion? Well, yeah, look, I think other? it's like it's the, they're now calling them a knives out mystery. Like knives out is the okay. franchise. Yep. Glass onions, the, this, but it's part of the canon of uh, knives out, which was uh, the first film the, that was uh, in cinemas. But now Netflix have uh, taken it on as uh, something exclusive for them. Yeah, look. It- Again, this is getting some great reviews, but gee whiz, it just didn't do it for me. It looked looked plodding. It looked blown out. It looked like somebody had spent too much money. It was just, I don't know, I didn't like the sets. The <laughs> cast didn't. Daniel Craig I thought was really ordinary. Just didn't like his character. Edward Norton was stupid. Uh, Kate Hudson didn't make any sense. Yeah. It just left me cold, the whole thing. <laughs> And when did Dave Batista become this big movie star? I mean, I've seen him in the trailer for the new M. Night Shyamalan movie. Right. I mean, he's, he seems to be, you know, these they uh, American cinema seems to become obsessed with wrestlers. I mean, we've had The Rock uh, and we've had John Cena and suddenly these wrestlers and, and suddenly they're in everything. I mean, yeah. honestly, I'd never heard of Dave Batista until a little while ago and, you know, he's literally in two movies right now. Yeah. But uh, did you see many redeeming features? Did, did the plot interest you? Or uh, Look, I mean, I watched it uh, all the way through. Um, look, I thought it was well done. I mean, it looked mm. amazing, I thought, filmed on this Greek island and this uh, this incredible set. But look, you know, I mean, it's you really have to leave your um, – I don't want to say you want to leave your brain at the door, but you have to really <laughs> just kind of let it wash over you. It's one right. of those murder mysteries where, you know, like that whole thing at the beginning with the invitation and the puzzle and yeah. push this thing and all of that. I mean, you've really got to, you know, you've really got to go, okay, this is just one of those murder mysteries with some crazy, crazy clues and you kind of, you like that sort of thing or you don't. I mean, yeah. I just thought this one, though, was much more uh, vivid and much more increased. If you think about the first Knives Out, it was just set in, like, uh, an old man's house and the family came round, and it was all kind of – it was quite suburban compared to what this new film – and this new film has sort of taken it to 11 um, and taken <laughs> the genre into a whole kind of crazy, rich – kind of place that I didn't the first one was about old money this one's very much about new money yeah yeah you mentioned that start it was so elaborate the the invites to to go to this I don't did they even reveal it was they didn't quite reveal even what it was an invite for did they at the start by the time we'd go gone through all that I was sort of I'd lost interest already because <laughs> I it, it just wasn't teasing me I just you know and, and I was about- just just seemed bloated and like one of those things that look, someone's just had too much money thrown yeah. at this. What about all the crazy cameos in it? What about when he's <laughs> say he was on a Zoom call and Angela Lansby and Stephen Sondheim uh. were on the Zoom call, as was also Natasha Leone, who, and this is the connection to Ryan Johnson I've just talked about there with Poker Face. This is Ryan Johnson is making a TV series of mysteries and he's also doing uh, this Glass Onion. Both of those Knives Out films are his and 
clearly, uh, you know, it's the, he's got a, a bit of a love in there with Natasha Lyon. But I couldn't believe when I was reading today. You know how last week you blew me away by telling me that Matthew McFadden and Keely Hawes were married in real life, right. which I didn't know. Yeah. I was shocked to read today that Ryan Johnson is married to Karina Longworth. Do you know who Karina Longworth is? No, I don't. No. She does this incredible podcast about old Hollywood called You Must Remember This. All right. And and it was just like, wow, mind officially blown now. Film historian married to, at the moment, a very zeitgeisty, uh, successful Hollywood film director. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Look, this film has been so successful. I was one of the most watched things on Netflix over the Christmas New Year period, I think. And you've been warned there'll be another one, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure, for yeah. sure, for sure. I mean, this is great for Daniel Craig. He's He can walk away from James Bond, but he's now got the Detective franchise now, which clearly he's the link. He needs to be in every one of them. Uh, the next Netflix movie is You People. Uh, it's a bit more of a recent release. Yeah, very um, new. Uh, Jonah Hill, uh, really interesting cast. Jonah Hill, uh, David Duchovny, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Dre- uh, Eddie Murphy are up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, I think that this movie, this is really interesting because there's a bit of controversy about this film. You know, some people are saying that it's not funny, that, I mean, basically, You People is a very loose remake of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, the mm. classic film with Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn where the white daughter brings home her fiancé and they see that it's Sidney Poitier, a black man. This is pretty much the same thing, except we have uh, a black woman uh, falling in love with a white man. So uh, Jonah Hill plays Ezra. Now, the extra twist here is that he's Jewish um, and Amira is played by Lauren London and the extra twist here is that she is Muslim. So uh, we've not only have we got the black and the white thing here, we've got <laughs> the religious uh, thing here too. And then, of course, you get David Duchovny and Dewey Louis-Dreyfus as the Jewish parents and uh, Eddie Murphy and Nia Long as uh, the Muslim parents. And look... I really like this film, James. To me, it's yeah. the thick of these films here. I thought it was really, really funny. Uh, to me, it's all about do you go with the romance at the heart of it? And I thought uh, Jonah Hill was absolutely adorable in this. I did buy the romance. So once I bought the romance and accepted I'm watching a romantic comedy, even though I found some of it you know, some of the repetitive gags a little bit excruciating, I still went with it and said, yeah, I really like this. Yeah, I guess I think I'm with you. I found it hard at first to believe Jonah Hill's character. It seemed very unlikely that he would have a podcast doing what he does. <laughs> um, but if you overlook that and then, yeah, you can buy into the relationship, it seems um, um, it seems believable. Yeah. And the parents were parents were almost a little bit too gimmicky. Yeah, um, well, yeah. particularly um, Jonah's parents, but they did a very good job of being awkward parents and saying the right. David Duchovny didn't get much to do he in did the whole. Not, no, he's he just did hanging not. around in the background in most yeah. most of the scenes. 
but Julia Louis-Dreyfus is pretty good as a very, as a trying to be sort of woke, but just <laughs> doing it the, the worst way you could. Look, I think uh, that most romantic comedies uh, have to really exaggerate these, you know, the characters of the parents. It's it's not a romantic comedy unless those characters are kind of exaggerated to make comedy. So, you know, I mean, everyone's kind of – I read a review of it that just said, why is everyone picking on romantic comedies at the moment now? You know, we've been watching them for years and years and sort of accepting that that's the genre, and now all of a sudden it's like, oh, you can't have that. It's a bit exaggerated. If you like romantic (laughs) comedies, I think you really enjoy this. If you buy the central couple and the central relationship in this film – I think it's delightful. And I must admit, I laughed. And when it was over, <laughs> I had a huge smile on my face. Yeah, you're right. It's definitely the pick of these three movies for sure. Okay, well, the last one is a doco. Yeah. Uh, Pamela Anderson, about Pamela Anderson's on Netflix called Pamela, A Love Story. Look, I've followed her career pretty closely. I've written about her a lot in my years in magazines. And I thought I knew a lot about her already. I've I learned a lot more watching this, but it did seem a little bit long at times. Did it? Oh, yeah. look, I could have kept watching it. I oh, loved it. I thought really? it was fantastic. I okay. thought it was uh I thought it was really interesting that uh she was taking control of her narrative and telling things from her point of view. I thought it was fascinating that she didn't wear any makeup in it, yeah. that she, you know, did it all au naturel, no eyebrows painted on. You could see all her freckles. I mean, she's beautiful without the makeup on, but we're so used to seeing that very stylized sex symbol image of Pamela. Um, and it's interesting that uh, one of her sons, Brandon, is one of the producers of the film. Film. She yep. said straight up, I'm not going to watch this documentary. Um, there's a whole part of her stuff. She doesn't watch it back. She's never watched that sex tape. Uh, that was the focus of uh, uh, Pammy and Tom, uh, yeah. the miniseries Pam that Tom, we yeah. watched last year and loved. And then, you know, I hear Pamela sort of saying, but, you know, this has really reaped traumatized me and this has really upset me it's upset my kids it's upset my parents and you kind of go wow yeah I've never really thought of it from her point of view there I thought she had some really really interesting things to say and I thought she was disarmingly honest and I thought she was being authentic Uh, and I don't think that you can ask for much more than that with a documentary that's going to be all about your life yeah you're right she was very authentic and it was good. But I just wondered if there was just too too much in certain – it was a bit repetitive when we got a lot of Tommy Lee, um, seemed to cover a lot of the same ground. But, I mean, of course, it was a, a fascinating relationship. So yeah. it was it was at times good to, to, to hear about some of it again and, you know, recalled some of the highlights, that wedding after only knowing him for a, for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, how – they kept sort of coming back, and and it's it's a lot more understandable when you realise they had the two children together. Why why it was important for them, I guess, to to sort of have some some consistency for those two kids. Seeing yeah. both the um both the children um during the mate, they're seeing some of the stuff. I think for the first time, um, when Pamela's going back through the archives, she's there with them for a lot of it, and they're sort of seeing it for the first time. That that's that's pretty amazing. 
Yeah, it's um, really interesting. And really interesting too how, you know, a lot of the time she would explain something and you kind of go, yeah, yeah, you know, you're right, you know, because all of these things have kind of gone into almost folk legend, folklore about her and stuff we've just assumed to be true. And then she just kind of just goes, yeah, but you know what, that we just did. And you go, yeah, actually, I believe you. What I did find interesting, a lot of those interview clips from – maybe the 80s and the 90s, make some of those interviewers look a bit creepy. Did they ever? And I'm thinking of, you know, uh, Jay Leno, yep. um, um, David Letterman. Yep. Um, all those big name. They just looked, I mean, these days you wouldn't be able to ask questions like that, would you, that they were putting to her. Men, all of those yeah. men, yeah. all of those men, Larry King, constantly wanting to talk to her about her boobs and, you know, uh, the sex tape. And, you know, I thought that some of the clips were really great. You know, there was one time that she kind of zinged a couple of them back as if to sort of say, what you're doing is inappropriate. But rather than me saying this is inappropriate, I'll kind of throw it back on your face and turn it into a joke. But you can see that glint in her eye where she's kind of going, God, you guys, come on. Is this <laughs> all, is this the first thing you need to talk to me about every time? I thought it was really interesting. I, th I think it's really interesting to be looking at recent history like this and stuff that I've thought about Pamela Anderson, stuff I've probably said about Pamela Anderson, and then just looking it all back in a chronological order. And look, in uh, I know that Pamela Anderson does not approve of that miniseries that uh, came out on her. But, you know, that miniseries was also pretty sympathetic to her and the way that she was used and uh, taken advantage of by men in the industry, uh, in the legal fraternity, the people that stole her tape. Um, you know, she... Uh, has a has had a way of dealing with that that is quite unique. And I think when you watch this documentary, I think you come away like going, yeah, good on you, Pamela. You keep doing what you're doing. You've, she, you know, she puts her family and her children and her life ahead of everything else. And if that means that uh, it makes it look like she's a bimbo, she doesn't seem to care. Her, I think her, her sense of uh, right and wrong and her priorities are spot on. And the thing that almost fascinated me most was the last, I guess, quarter of the movie with the sort of a a new career she branched out into yeah. um, on stage. I won't say really too much about it because I, I didn't know anything about that and I, a lot of people will but some people won't so I don't want to spoil it. But it was fascinating that, that whole part I thought of the Doctor. Yeah, yeah. I also found it really fascinating to realise that her – career was sort of destroyed by that sex tape being released but what's so interesting is that you know the it's the it's all about timing james hmm. that sex tape ended up uh coming out just when the internet was starting off in fact you know, as the doco said, there were people who went onto the internet for the first time because of they wanted to see that tape. And then, of course, Pamela Anderson did it first, uh, 
didn't want that sex tape to be out there, refused to take any payment from it, made a personal stand, drew a, lo- lo- a line in the sand, but then sat back and watched all of these celebrities after her using sex tapes that were, oops, released <laughs> it to the public and become huge stars out of it. Mm. I mean, it's fascinating, isn't it, to see that we judged Pamela Anderson for that when she actually didn't release it herself and yet we turned around and accepted it and made big stars of Paris Hilton and Kim Kardashian and some of these people who uh, did it afterwards and absolutely released those tapes into uh, the marketplace in probably in a, a, a bid to start their careers. It's a bit horrifying that a stolen piece of property like that, they made no attempt to really stop it. And- yeah. Um, American prosecute law. the people involved, and well, that's the part I really remember from that Hulu miniseries uh, that's mm. on Disney Plus. Here was you know she got into the courtroom and they just kind of basically said to her, "You're a whore that poses nude for Playboy. What's the big deal?" What are you so upset about? So there's a sex tape of you out there. There's already, you know, Playboy have already released all these tapes. But the difference was that was what she did with Playboy and she was a willing participant and this was a home video. And as she says in this, she's got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of home videos. You know, her and Tommy Lee at the start of the the 90s had camcorders, they had three camcorders, she said, and they were using them and filming absolutely um, everything. Um, So, yeah, big, big difference in uh, what is consensual and what is non-consensual. And thank God we understand that now, finally, in 2023. Pamela, a love story that's out on Netflix. Look, I just a couple of quick things to finish on. Did you finish Happy Valley yet? No, it's, it's on my list of things to do tonight. It's just finished in the UK. I'm one episode behind, so I'm going to have to binge it because there's okay. going to be spoilers and stuff written all <laughs> over the internet about it. Uh, so that, I'm trying uh, to stay off it till I watch the end. Okay, I, I can't believe the amount of press that's getting in the UK. It's just massive, isn't it? Big, yeah, yeah. Much bigger than the first two seasons. And the the number of stories I've seen about the um, um, Sarah Lancaster's best lines from the show. Yeah, um, yeah. Just fascinating. I've been watching some of those episodes for a second time. Yeah, and it's uh, really good. And quickly now, next episode, we're going to talk about Nolly. I don't know much about this apart from Helena Bottom Carter. And Crossroads? Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, this is so up my alley, James. I've, <laughs> uh, I watched all three in a row. I don't think I moved the whole time. I don't think I even t- took a wee break. It was that great. <laughs> so Nolly is Noel Gordon. She was a she was the star of a UK soap called Crossroads, which I vaguely remember. Um, and Helena Bonham Carter plays her. And the story um, around this, I must admit, I thought I knew a lot about. About UK soaps, but yeah. I vaguely knew about this, but I didn't really realise how huge it was. And I actually never really understood until this miniseries how big a show Crossroads was. 15 million people watched it, James. I mean, you know, these are figures that you would you die to get today yeah. uh, in one market. Uh, but it's such an interesting story. And of course, this is uh, written and produced by Russell T Davies. And look, what 
show has Russell T Davies made that hasn't been amazing? I mean, everything he touches is incredible. And if he says there's stuff about Noel Gordon you need to know about and we need to re-put her in our list of TV icons, I'm right there for it. And I've spent all weekend reading about Crossroads, reading about Noel Gordon, watching clips of her on YouTube. It's absolutely caught my imagination. I'll be writing about it this week in Media Week. My favourite show of the year so far, <laughs> Nolly, and it drops well, on uh, Oxtel Binge February the 10th. Just three episodes. Okay. Well, if you want to um, get a little heads up and join us in um, what we have to say about this in the next episode, look out for that. Um, I think it's is it February 10. It's out. Yeah, I think it's uh, next Friday. Yep. This okay. Friday. This Friday. Great. All righty. Okay, Andrew, look, always great talking to you. You can look All at right. Andrew's weekly column in Media Week um, in our daily newsletter and at mediaweek.com.au. We'll uh, do it again next week. Okay, have a great week, James.